Where we go. Sweat Equity Podcast and Streaming Show, the number one comedy business podcast <laughs> in the world. You did it. On Earth. Yeah. Uh, listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the places you listen. And if you like this, share it with a friend, loved one, whoever. Please. Just might as well, right? Yeah. Uh, we're really mailing it in. We're, we're uh, big time. I'm sorry. Well, look, we're gonna, we're going to make this intro short and sweet, and get right into it. No sponsors on this one. Really, not even any sponsors. Squarespace. You're okay, all fine. One. We're doing sponsors now. I guess you're all we'll one website builder. Now. <laughs> links will links to the sponsors will be in the episode description, and that's the way you get the hookup. Holler if you hear me. Holler. We got Squarespace call rail. Bigly Sales and LinkedIn Premium all get the hook up. Links in the episode description. Let's get it going. Howdy daddy. It's called Sweat Equity. Sweat Listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. Are we, are we, are we I thought we were going into. Okay, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're gonna, we're gonna go. Yeah, we. Uh, so this is more of a peace offering. We had some scheduling snafus this week, and sometimes uh, that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, I hit a button. My bad. Okay, go keep going. We're talking. Just, My uh, bad. Don't uh, just ignore me. I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. I was just making sure we weren't just talking to nothing. We're not. Um, we're talking to each other at least, right? That, yeah. Am I a nothing? No. That's like my mom with the Ooh. hearing aids when I came over and she's like, why would I have my hearing aids in if <laughs> if no one's here? And I'm like, right. mom, I'm here. Why the AIDS, you know? Why AIDS? Exactly. Everyone's no, got AIDS. We want to do a small peace offering since we didn't, didn't have an episode this week and we're going to be a little bit later next week on having one. Yeah. And this is uh, me being a dork on an interview, a LinkedIn Live. I have not heard it. By the way, it's um, it's by the fractional CMO agency I'm with called Grow Powerful, and mm-hmm. they, this was their pilot episode. I said yes, anything I can do to be a whore for myself, I'll be on it. And so uh, I, this is a pilot version of what they're trying to do is kind of have these LinkedIn lives. You can ask CMOs anything. They're still going on if you want to ask in the future. Uh, but it's about go-to-market product companies. Do you have any highlights? Can you just give me the highlights? I mean, I fucking crushed it. That's not highlights. That's just you saying that. I'll tell you one thing. It's really hard to be funny in these kind of scenarios, Uh, you know? And I really tried to not be like, you know, you don't, you want to make it interesting, but at the same time, you don't want to like, um, your jokes have to be very broad. Well, you don't want to invalidate yourself, you know? Right. And so it's kind of that thing of like, I can't be too funny. Well, I already know what I look like. If you're if you're coming into it, right? I, you self invalidate yourself, right? With so, your whole look. Well, yeah. So you have to make sense. So I entered. Uh, you know, I got my inner child. Inner child. Inner. Um, what am I a thinking of? Tube. I don't know. I, I tried to. I tried to echo smarter people 
And what okay. would they say? And just try your to follow inner suit. Echo. I don't know. That was. I don't know. What were you trying to think of? I don't know. We're doing this. We late. can't move on from this. I got to figure it out. My inner um, your inner voice. I don't know. That doesn't sound it was right. either enter with an e in or an i in, but I don't know where I was. Go- My interstellar. Oh okay. Yeah. It's a good movie. A great movie. The best movie. My favorite movie. Mm-hmm. So this is uh this will be um the it's twenty minutes long, which is good. And yeah. uh hopefully it's a piece off. Is it a good twenty minutes? I mean if you really want to learn stuff. Did you, you didn't have any moments? I don't you know, I'm not saying I don't want to watch it or hear it or listen to it or watch it. I definitely said I definitely I had don't. a question about sales versus marketing teams. How do you get them together? And it's like I Oh, I channeled like my, inter, my interdean acres is what I did. Yeah? That's what I, What'd you say? Well, sales teams are going to fight with marketing teams. Marketing teams are going to fight with sales teams. That's just how it is. It's always been that way. And you got to stop getting the point fingers. <laughs> it's not that country. But, um, but Also, is that helpful? Well, yeah, because... That's just the way it's going to be. You have to unify them. That's, that, yeah, was, I know. that was the solution, is basically... You, you gotta listen to it. Okay. You're not gonna listen to it. I'm not. There's you get, stuff to do. You get it for free. Why would you go? <laughs> you get all this for free. I'm Why? living it. Yeah. Uh, so, without further ado, we'll get right into it. Okay. All right. We are live. Welcome to the first of many go to market office hours. This is where if you are a CEO, a chief revenue officer, an investor, or even another chief marketing officer like ourselves, we answer the questions that you have about figuring out go-to-market opportunities, solving problems, thinking ahead, thinking behind, how to measure, how to do all the things go-to-market. Now, for this focus, for today's show, our goal is to talk about what you should be doing with your go-to-market motions, strategy, plan, and attack right now because we're about to head into the second half of the, uh, of the game, folks. We're about to head into the second half of the year. And that means you've only got six months left or probably less to actually get your stuff done. We got summer vacations. That slows things down. We got the the, the winter breaks, that slows things down. So you probably only have about four, four and a half months of actually legitimate work to get things done. I have brought with me today, and we're going to have different people joining us each week uh, or every other week as we do this. But today we have the guinea pigs of Grow. We have the uh, amazing team of what we call ICMOs or interim CMOs here to join us. Uh, and we'll just go around the clock here and um, we'll start with you, Greg. Greg, why are you here and what makes you worthy of us to listen to you, your ideas? <laughs> I hope I'm worthy. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I love the craft of marketing, longtime uh, B2B tech CMO, mostly software, um, deep expertise in global marketing, and most recently, account-based marketing and SaaS metrics. Um, love to focus on that and excited to hopefully answer all your questions and um, be part of this great group. Greg, we're, we're lucky and uh, excited to have you here, just as we are with you. Rusty, talk to us. Who are you and why should we listen to your ideas about go-to-market? Uh, yeah, Rusty Bishop here. Uh, been a touring musician. Guitars behind me. I've been a PhD biochemist. I was a CEO and a founder of a company uh, that had a successful exit. And then I became a CMO of a publicly traded software company. 
So I, that's the expertise that I bring to this call today is I've been in the CNO job. I've ran marketing at a publicly traded company and been successful with both. And I hope that I can help you uh, answer your questions because I think that CMOs, CEOs like me when I was doing the job, I struggled with marketing. I didn't know what to measure. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know how to think about it. So I hope we can help you. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you, Rusty. And then uh, last but clearly not least, we've got Law Smith. Law, why are you here and why should we listen to your insights? Well, that could be a very existential question, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I'll save that for a different podcast that has more colors in the background, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a fractional CMO. I have my own um, small B2B small business advisory meets agency. It's called Tokabaga. I'm the president of that. Uh, moonlighting stand-up comedian for about 15 years. So that's a second career. Um, but the day job pays the bills a lot better. And um and also uh, the host of Sweat Equity podcast, kind of a, a blend between the two worlds of entrepreneurship and comedy. And uh, I love going, I love the puzzle of it. I love helping business, be part of businesses. You were here when we met and I got you to here. And that's, there's something very satisfying about that. Uh, I think I've improved over a thousand businesses since uh, like 2012. I was trying to count some stats. Up. Right, I'm going to throw it back to you, Brett. Because you did yeah. a great job putting some, a sense of urgency. That's how we know you're good at marketing. You got the rest <laughs> of the year coming up. You threw yeah. that in there. I saw it. Yeah. So just for everybody to know, we are all a part of an organization called Grow Powerful. We are all interim and fractional chief marketing officers that are here to help solve problems. Most of it has to do with go-to-market motions. It might be new initiatives. It might be rewiring things, fixing things, whatever else. And when you think about needing to get your sh stuff together between now and the end of the year, there's never a better time to bring somebody in that knows what they're doing than now. So let's dive in. We've got uh, our first question and I'll put it up here on the screen. This is kind of fun. We're, we're doing this for the first time and playing around with a lot of features. The first question is, with six months left, how should I prioritize my go-to-market spend? Who wants to take that one? I, I start. So okay. the, the first thing I'd say is if, you're, if your goal, if you're an emerging brand and your goal is to show potential valuation and growth to investors, uh, I would focus on demand gen at the top of the funnel. Um, but if you have a revenue number you've committed to your board and investors, then clearly it's conversion. The difference would be content and outreach at the top of the funnel is more about awareness and the provocation of why you are relevant now versus in the middle of the funnel where you need to drive conversion. You would want to have much more content focused on um, immersive things like a calculator or something that shows you the ROI or evidence or proof or case study. So there would be two different kinds of approaches from content to how you reach out and engage people. Uh, but it really depends on whether you need to show runway and valuation or whether you've got to hit a number, which would require different things. Okay. I'll stop there. Who else has an, has an idea around this uh, six month time clock, the sense of urgency? I'll jump in. It depends on your sales cycle. I'll say that. I mean, if you got a six month sales cycle, you've already spent the money. Um, so if you don't, if you're a high velocity sales company, then you should be, you know, obviously prioritizing top of the funnel, just like Greg said. Um, if you have a six month sales cycle, uh, for me, I like to think of this in terms of compounding assets versus assets that you're paying for in a linear fashion. 
Um, compounding assets are things like your, your email list. Like so many people neglect their email list and that is one of your greatest sources that your company has to go out there and talk to potential customers. Mm -hmm. um, doing SEO, I mean, we've got these awesome generative AI tools now that can go and help you figure out exactly who your audience is, how they respond to things, create stuff in literally seconds. Um, so I would be thinking about how to build those compounding assets that take me into the next year about a six month sales cycle. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Okay. Law, anything to add? Yeah, I would, I would echo what uh, Greg and Rusty were saying uh, to a degree. And I'll, I'll, I'll go kind of um, six pack Joe style on, on philosophically. Cause it's tough. It's tough to answer this question specifically, right? Because we don't know the actual product, but uh, what I have to do is go macro out, pull back out and let's reverse engineer it. So let's go three years from now and then let's go backwards and see what those benchmarks should be to get you back to six months. Because if you plan everything at the six months right now, then what's going to happen month seven, <laughs> right? So just like uh, Rusty was saying, if you have that plan already set up, get ahead of yourself, see what you can do, scrub the email list, scrub the contacts you have in HubSpot or whatever CRM you've got going. Okay. So then what we've heard is the law of law is the longer the hair, the longer the planning cycle there should be. I'm just playing the character. You know? All right. Perfect. I, perfect. I, I know, I know people think I look like Nicolas Cage and Con Air. So <laughs> can I throw in one more quick, Greg, can I throw in one more quick thing? Sure thing, Greg. So, and then we've got I am person. very passionate about this. You should be persistently running account-based marketing. If you're in B2B persistently, you yep. can achieve about a penny in impression. It's incredibly cost-effective. You should have that always on. You should never stop doing that because that can, with less effort over time, keep the top of the funnel healthy so that when you do have to surge in the middle to surge conversion, you could put more focus there. Always be running account-based marketing for the top of the funnel. It's cost-effective and it, it's only adding value to your brand. Perfect. I absolutely love that. And I think that's spot on. Uh, I don't have anything to add. Uh, I'd like to actually head into, we got another question that came in from the crowd and this is kind of a, this is a little bit less of a go to market, but, but more of a question about us and our life. And the question is, is there a difference between ICMOs and fractional CMOs? Um, and I, I'd love to take a stab at that in mind. Um, so, so here's the deal. Uh, there's, there's interim CMOs, fractional CMOs, and virtual CMOs. Ultimately, uh, and, and there's a lot of people that call themselves CMOs or fractional CMOs or interim, CMO, interim CMOs, and they shouldn't. But there are legitimate people who have truly been chief marketing officers of companies or VP of marketing of companies and have a successful track record. Those people in B2B tech and SaaS grow the company we're part of. We call them ICMOs. Everybody here is an ICMO. Now, the, the commonality between interim CMO, fractional CMO, virtual CMO is they are CMOs that are proven, but they prefer gigs over jobs. They've decided to have a more freelance, more open, more flexible lifestyle to where they can choose a type of engagements. They can work on two, three, or four engagements at a time or one. And the industry as a standard calls it a, the industry is a fractional CMO. Now I'll tell you another angle of difference, which is an interim CMO tends to be somebody that is close to full time who may be, um, uh, who, who may be stepping in for someone else for a period of time. And that mid-sized larger companies, they lost a chief marketing officer. 
they need somebody in place so they can spend their time six months a year to look for the perfect person. Uh, an interim is also good if there's a new initiative. There's two companies that are merging together and there needs to be um, an adult at the table uh, or something like that. A fractional CMO tends to be more for smaller companies that they work on a part-time basis, two days a week, you know, one day a week. Uh, and it, it might actually be the first time a company is leveraging a, uh, a chief marketing officer and they're kind of dipping their toe in it. Um, other thoughts? Anybody else have some, some additions on the definitions? Can I add one other thing? So mm -hmm. one of the things I love about being part of this group is the mindset. So whether you're fractional, interim, or full-time, I think marketing today is so measurable and you should be running things much more in a set of sprints or solving these five problems and then moving on to the next. And so whether you're, however your tenure is, however long you're going to do it, I think there's a mindset that is also really embodied in the grow team, which is what problem are we solving? Let's go race to solve it, be smart about it, be data driven, learn as fast as we can and then put the right things in place and then move on to the next. But I think that is how marketing is efficacious today is being much more sprint focused, fast focused, data driven, um, which is, you could say is born out of the fractional model, but is how marketing, good marketing is run today, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, then let's keep diving deeper. One of the next questions we've got coming up, and, and again, this is the first time we want to keep it fast. We want to keep it short. We want to make this 20 minutes or less. We've got about eight minutes remaining. Uh, the next big question that comes up is, um, this is an interesting one. The question is, during the crunch time, do you usually see sales and marketing working closer together or is there more of an infighting take place, uh, taking place? Um, I, you know, love to get somebody to uh, provide their, their thoughts, maybe what typically happens and what we all know should happen. And maybe give a little bit of flavor as to how to help avoid in fighting if there is i mean uh yeah painting with broad strokes it's infighting takes place when it's crunch time between the two departments it shouldn't your role as a cmo should be to to bridge those gaps and have a loop so they and make it and kind of sell it on the those those departments that you guys need to help each other out you make more money or career advancement by by doing so but by blaming the other, pointing fingers, it's, it, it's don't be competitive, be cooperative. Yep. I would add, for me, the key is two parts. One is no one makes their numbers unless everyone makes their numbers. So there's no way that marketing has any celebration or gets rewarded or anything like that if the number is missed from the sales side. That is fundamental. Second, focus on opportunity. Because opportunity is more than marketing qualified lead or sales accepted lead or whatever you want to call it. Opportunity means we found someone who has intention to buy and might likely buy. That's the better thing to measure. And there's more by the nature of it, there's more cooperation around opportunity. Got it. Yeah. I've seen the same thing. I've been in companies that have had both the uh, crunch time where marketing and sales were at each other's throats. And I've been in companies where sales and marketing were in lockstep. Um, the thing that, that separates those two, in my opinion, is as CEO or as CRO, you are responsible for owning the message. Um, and I see so many times when there is infighting that the CEO is talking a different message 
uh, from sales are different messages from marketing. And and if, if you don't own that message as a CEO, I, I think it trickles all the way down and that's where you see the unfunding. Got it. Got it. Well, perfect. Well, I think we've got time for one more question that's come in. And and this is a, boy, I don't know if this is a go-to-market. We can decide if we want to answer this or not. This is more of a sort of managing the expectations of the world. And the question is, you know, there's no doubt in the first half of 2023, if you're in B2B technology, a uh, higher percentage of companies are struggling than succeeding and making their numbers. In our minds here, what's the benefit, what's the curse of trying to reset expectations now for what the end of the year would look like versus trying to push hard, invest harder, go more aggressive to try to get the original numbers in? Who would like to take that one? Can I start very quickly? Yeah. This is why I'm so convicted now about benchmarking. Um, yes. Because you should answer this question in the context of how are your peers doing? Are they struggling too? Because you might have the right go to market. You might be highly efficient, highly sustainable, and you just need to ride this out because it's easy to just cut, 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 cut. And your competitors aren't, you know what, they're going to end up ahead. So I would benchmark and I would specifically look at the magic number. If you can go to your board or your investors and say, hey, we are, we have a great magic number. We're efficient in sales and marketing. Our peers are at the same spot you're more likely to win favor and support for staying the course if that's the right thing to do. So benchmark, look at your peers, magic number. Are you sustainable long-term? Yeah. I like part of the question there is important is what would happen was in that question, right? What would happen if we did this and, you know, put yourself in this, in a situation of your board. Like if you had to go to your board tomorrow and say, we're going to reset our numbers, you know, how they've put money in your company, most likely, you know, how are they going to react to that? So, you know, I think your board's not going to react very well to that. So what Greg is saying is super important. Like, here's why we're doing it. We've got benchmark data. We know this is what the world looks like. You know, we know we've cut marketing budget or we've cut, had to cut salespeople or whatever we've done, right? So, but that's what would happen. Your board's going to either be behind you or not behind you. So that's what, uh, you have to put yourself in their shoes to figure yep. that out. Yep. Well, all right. Well, yep. we had a couple of good questions coming in. Law, any other thoughts on on that last question? No, it should be philosophically, you should be laying the, the benchmarks and the goals and your, your KPIs, your key performance indicators. I don't want to talk in too many acronyms because that's kind of our world. It's starting to sound like finance. Um, but I, I would say, you know, practice Kazen. That is the, uh, the Japanese word for continued improvement. And so you're, when you're making those goals, you need to write out why you set those goals at the time. So when you get to this period, right now, you can look back and, okay, this is why these were our benchmarks, but the, it's, it's always improving. It's always changing. And here's why there's externalities. Like we've been talking about what's, what's the market like, uh, you know, sometimes that does seasonality. Sometimes that comes into play and especially in B2B tech, sometimes you don't have the research to, to stand on. So you have to make, yeah. you have to reduce uh, the amount of risk as far as, making predictions and making forecasting. Yep. Yep. I love that. You know, the only, I, I think you've, you've all done uh, great, uh, you know, benchmarking comparisons, managing expectations, et cetera, et cetera. The, you know, the other thing I will say is um, uh, go back about 150 years ago uh, and back, you know, think of Chrysler, think of Lee Iacocca. And for those of you that don't know, 
he stepped, he was a, a senior executive at Ford. He became the CEO at Chrysler. Chrysler was about to lose, was, was about to go bankrupt. He stepped in and he said, we can't think about anything more than 90 days out. We are now going to implement rolling 90-day plans. And I think that's something that's really important, especially for the B2B tech companies that are getting hit the hardest, suffering the hardest, is don't think about six months out. Maybe you can rewire expectations to look at the next 90 days and a rolling 90 days every month you sort of look at the next 90 days. And, and maybe that's a little bit of survival uh, you know, surviving versus thriving kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also hunkering down and focusing. So just another approach to try, another idea to try. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that speaks to why ICMOs work, right? I mean, yeah. there's, in our group, there's what, 15, 20 rock solid CMOs have been there, done that. You know, you bring a group like this together and you get the power of, of all 20 of them feeding back to your company. And I think, you know, if you're gonna do 90 day sprints, you may do it now with one person or 15 people that know how to do it. Yep. Yep, exactly. Well, I think that is it for us for today. We're at about 20 minutes. I want to keep this short. I want to keep it brief. Thank you so much for being a part of our very first ever of many go-to-market office hours. We will continue doing these every two weeks until we decide to do it every week. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Greg. Thank you to Rusty. Thank you to Law. And on behalf of these fine people, as well as everyone at Grow Powerful, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And have a great day. Talk soon. Cheers.